I want to welcome Agile XRM to the podcast. I've known the people at Agile XRM for the past 12 years. I've seen how their business process management tool can add massive value to complex organizational processes in sectors such as finance and government. If you have complex processes or a need for dialogues on the Power Platform or Dynamics 365, take a look at how this BPM tool can add value. You can find them at agilexrm.com or check out the show notes for more details. Welcome to the Power 365 show, where I interview staff at Microsoft across the Power Platform and Dynamics 365 technology stack. I hope you'll find this podcast educational and inspire you to do more with this great technology. Now, let's get on with the show. In today's episode, we're going to focus on Dynamics 365 sales, forecasting, and artificial intelligence, or AI. My guest is from Seattle in the US. He works at Microsoft as a product manager in Dynamics 365 sales. You can find his bio, LinkedIn, Twitter, all the the socials, etc. in the show notes for this episode. Welcome to the show, AJ. Good to have you on the show. I always like to get to know my guests' background outside of what they do with Microsoft to start with. So, so tell me a bit about what you do when you're not at Microsoft. What do you do for food, family, and fun? Have you always been based in Seattle? What's a bit of your history there? Sure, yeah. Actually, I grew up in Los Angeles. My family's out there. I get to visit them at least a few times a year. It's always nice to get the, the contrast of the, the heat and the rain. Mm-hmm. So actually, we have had a pretty long summer out in Seattle, which has been wonderful. Taking the opportunity to do a few hikes. I uh, did a hike to Heather Lake this past weekend, which was incredible. And uh, yeah, as, soon as, as long as it's been sunny out here, I've been trying to get out to the restaurants, uh, something that I hadn't been able to do, or maybe a lot of people hadn't been able to do much in the past few years. So it's nice to see things opening up and kind of enjoy the city more now. Nice. So what was your journey into IT? How did you originally get started? Was it back university or, or before? Yeah, it's, actually, it's been quite a long meandering path. I started uh, in undergrad, I studied neuroscience. I was on the pre-med track, decided I didn't want to do that and worked in higher education administration for a while, decided I didn't want to do that and jumped into the world of startups that during my MBA, did some independent consulting and finally realized, you know, I, I love entrepreneurship and I do want to keep doing this at some point. And I, but I need to put myself in a place where I can learn from the best and the brightest. And I said, you know what, Microsoft is a place where I can do that. Wow. And so that took you into Microsoft. Were you working for Microsoft originally in California and then moved up to Seattle? I was not working for Microsoft. So I moved up to Seattle for Microsoft, actually. Okay. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. So tell us a bit about your role in Microsoft. What's your day to day? What do you do? What are you responsible for? Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah, I'm a product manager. I was focused on the forecasting and predictive scoring features, which I think we'll cover a little bit today. Mm-hmm. More recently, I'm shifting to some of the Viva sales initiatives. But as a product manager, I get to interface with customers on a weekly basis, collect requirements from them, understand problem space that we're solving for, and then work with an engineering team and a design team to build out the right features that can drive value for our customers. Okay. Okay. So tell me where AI comes into the mix here for you. Yeah, sure. So the two features that I was working on, forecasting and predictive scoring, both have an AI element. So we, you know, very data-centric tool, the Dynamics CRM. And so we figured, okay, we have all this data in the CRM. Is there a way to leverage this to benefit the, the end user and the customer? 
And both of these tools utilize this concept of kind of looking at a, an objective view of your data, meaning we can look at your historical data and tell you what, what the trends have been for closing a deal successfully in the past. And so do that with predictive scoring, which uh, allows you to basically receive the score and then a bucket of grades, A through D, for each of your opportunities or leads. So as a seller, you can prioritize which ones are the most potentially uh, impactful. It's a tool to use. We don't we don't we don't like to say that it's creating the exact priority because you we also want the the user to be a man in the loop so that they can mm-hmm. make right decisions about you know what deal like if this deal might be rated the same as this other deal, but I have my intuition as a seller that I know this one is more likely to close because I have hands-on knowledge that I met with this person last week and they told me they were going to close it. Or this deal is a higher value. So if I close this now, it would be more impactful for my, my team or maybe just tend to close a certain type of deal in an industry more often. So the, the AI is there to support sellers, not replace them, because we think that you know the people on the ground will, have, will always have an intuition that mm-hmm. they can't be replaced by AI. So how you know with the the predictive scoring is that really about probability is it about is it is it purely matching past behaviors or trends with the opportunity like this and therefore mm-hmm. applying it to it what's your kind of thinking or what data what what where where do you gather your data points to kind of inform the algorithm yep yep you you kind of nailed it there so um, for opportunity scoring so we have opportunity and lead scoring but for either, the primary entity will be either the opportunity or the lead entity, and we'll look at attributes on that. And what the model is basically doing is drawing correlations for different attributes. An example is industry is a good one where we say in a specific industry, let's say finance, if finance is the industry of this opportunity, we know that historically, this is more likely to close. If it's something else like retail, it's less likely to close. So that adds a certain level of impact to the score, either increasing or decreasing. Now we take that across all of the attributes that are within the entity, and we consider a few other um, entities as well. But ultimately, what it's doing is it's just drawing these correlations um, from the past and then sort of extrapolating into the future to say, Knowing that in the past, having finance is this, budget amount is this, mm-hmm, contact mm-hmm. is this, the result is positive. And we expect that in similar cases, you'll get the same result. So as you said, it's it's very related to probability. How much, you know, as a sales manager, looking at, you know, a, a diverse sales team, there's a whole element of human behavior involved in sales as well. And, you know, individuals might talk a big game, but past behavior informs future, you know, activity. Mm-hmm. How, in, in your modeling, are you doing anything around the individual user of Dynamics 365 sales? In other words, the salesperson, how much mm-hmm. of your scoring involves understanding this individual's behavior over time and therefore that informing also the decision because as a sales manager that could help me a lot in that you know i'm responsible upline of me how much is that going to enable me to make sure that or give me the confidence level in my pipeline and the dates it's due to close quarter on quarter or territory that type of thing yeah no that's a very good question um from the predictive scoring perspective we we've heard this request. Like customers want to understand, you know, how how is a particular selling seller doing? You know, can I can I predict what their performance will be so I can serve them up the right deals, maybe things that they may be more successful at. 
as of present, um, the, the predictive scoring tool doesn't have that capability to score sellers because it's a little bit of a trickier space mm-hmm. around, you know, motivating sellers and, and how they'll feel if they feel like they have this sort of, you know, surveillance on, on top of their uh, work. So I think it's a little bit trickier than, you know, not as simple as it might seem. Um, but beyond that, just kind of keeping to the, the opportunities and leads being, you know, scoring being something to benefit the seller to uh, mm-hmm. provide an, an additional input and not really feel like something that they have to fight against or for. But I will tell you that sometimes sellers see a score that's low on a deal that they're like, you know, challenge accepted. We'll see. We'll see about that. And that can skew things. But I think part of the challenge with an AI model is, um, you know, can can we get folks to trust that it's just serving their data back to them and so yeah. that they can then actually utilize it to its full potential. But in addition to that, like we do have the forecasting tool, which is more about keeping track of pipelines. And that allows managers to, to look into what a seller is, is doing there. And, and rather rather than, you know, kind of call them out on where their failings are, uh, be a presence to coach them on how they might improve. Yeah, but like you used a key word there, which was coach. And so therefore, yeah. let's move to a sporting model and take the sales, you know, from a sporting perspective. In a game, and I'll use the reference to rugby because I come from New Zealand and that's our national okay. sport. And so cool. in, in there... Right. When the whistle blows at full time, we have a score and an outcome of the game. We've either won or we've lost. And that's our, you know, the end of the quarter or the end of the year. That's the number. The game's over. Nobody can change it. The date's passed, etc. However, a coach in a game has got people tracking a whole range of things. They're tra- tracking how many tackles were done, how many yards or meters were gained on the on the field, how many blocks, how many scrums, how many penalties, all those incremental activities are tracked because they know that if they if those numbers equal x or y it's most likely they're going to win right if they, if they mm-hmm. dominate the territory the most if they get the most you know yardage that type of thing they're going to win the game so therefore mm-hmm. right back in the first quarter of the game if those stats are high it's a good predictor of where the game's going to go half time's going to tell you more three quarters of full time that's the type of information that i think that you know a sales manager would find incredibly powerful. And the thing is, is that I don't think from a salesperson's perspective that they need to see this as, you know, you're monitoring my behavior. Mm -hmm. We want to coach. We want to score just like a game. And if we don't address it at the start of the quarter or mid-quarter, when it comes end of quarter, the game's over. We got nothing to play with anymore. So, so that's where I wonder is 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 where people have concerns with AI and and scoring mm-hmm. is when it's purely black box. In other words, I don't mm-hmm. data win, and I have no idea what went on. And so, if there was a model of showing how it, the data is used, I think you know yeah, the risk is then would people game it. In other words, you know, if I'm saying that uh, the probability the sale's going to close is ninety percent, yet there is no email activity with the customer, no phone activity with the customer, no meeting activity with the customer for the last 90 days, I'd be mm-hmm. like, mm, what's what's the likelihood of that? But if, if the system could start kind of giving me that insight, because once again, the activity data is there, right? It's available to us. Mm-hmm. You can hook into Exchange, you, you know, even now with Microsoft Teams, if you've, you know, if you're using the voice channel on that, there's a whole bunch of additional data that could feed a model, sediment analysis, a whole range of things, right, mm-hmm, on, mm-hmm. on that conversation, yeah. keywords, all that type of thing. Are you thinking that way? Are you thinking that, you know, we really could enrich this so much more that would allow for real prioritized coaching and allow, you know, sales managers to coach to those 
key areas and really drive positive outcome for an organization? Yeah, I mean, those are all really great points. We are increasingly including new attributes and and ways that the model can consider data, like activities. Um, The recent one we have is time spent in sales stage. So, you know, a a score can be impacted whether a seller has left it in a particular sales stage or not Mm -hmm, over mm -hmm. time. And that's, you know, will be very indicative of the success of a particular opportunity or lead. Um, We actually even designed this um, attribute insights pane which lets you goes into the attribute itself and say, you know, of all the potential selections for this attribute, which ones are more likely to be successful? And we'll, we'll actually explain to you why an attribute is impactful or not. And that mm-hmm. the benefit of that is to say, if you thought, you know, the, the black box component, if you thought that a particular attribute should be indicative of success or, you know, an increased score, but you find that the model is telling you it's not, well, the admin can go in and look at that and say, there's a reason it's not. The reason is either, you know, whenever there's a like a cognitive dissonance around that, giving them that tool allows them to go in and be like, oh, actually, this is what we're seeing. We're seeing that we know that, you know, anecdotally, it's it's important. Our sellers have not been filling out this information in the model or in the in the CRM, mm-hmm. so there's no way the model could pick up that this was important. And that feature allows there to be kind of a coaching at a larger scale, maybe at a mm-hmm. sales uh, team scale, to say, "Look, guys, this is very important because if you fill this out, it will impact the score." And so it, you know influences behavior in that way, which is great. Mm -hmm. Um, There is more to be said and I think more to be done about the points that you said that maybe this is potentially very useful um, information for sales managers to have to share with their sellers directly. And I think, um, you know, in the future, that is definitely something we would consider because uh, I think that empowers the sellers to be more uh, on top of the the data yeah. entry because they see the direct impact of it, right? It will it will feed them out the the information they need to know what to prioritize. So, mm-hmm, um, yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, very great point, and I definitely think that the teams going forward will consider something like that. Awesome. Tell us about forecasting. What's the latest things happening in sales forecasting that uh, you're either you know it might be in the roadmap that's been announced, uh, you know, in the upcoming wave releases, or is it really just tweaking what's been there now for some time since I'd know about you know 2020 or <clears throat> or what's what's changing what's moving what are you adapting mm-hmm. yeah no we, we are continuously iterating um, we're adding new features at a regular basis we've been working on uh, you know data compliance is a huge thing for Microsoft so there's yeah. this huge runs work that's necessary and you know forecasting is a complex tool so that's taken up uh, you know, a lot of work to make sure that we're up to date of compliance on that. We have been releasing a few features. There's one uh, that allows you to filter out the hierarchy so that, you know, in the past we get um, these hierarchies that are just within the CRM that are super cluttered because you'd have users that are not opportunity owning or maybe are on mm-hmm. uh, leave for whatever reason, but they still show up in the hierarchy. So sales managers like, okay, I don't know who I'm actually even looking at here that is is relevant. Now you can use a, a simple filter to exclude those folks. Um, another Another feature that's come out recently, which is really nice, um, we've gotten really good feedback on this, is this share as feature, mm-hmm. um, which is effectively if I'm a sales manager and um, I have a seller who is on leave or for whatever reason isn't active, um, but I need someone to have visibility on their pipeline, um, I can actually share their much uh, subordinates record with someone at my level or mm-hmm. even someone at the other seller's level. So then we can have someone else 
having visibility on that pipeline, um, being able to make adjustments on it. So nothing gets left behind or falls by the wayside. Yeah, nice, nice. What feedback are you getting? You're saying you, you spend a lot of time with customers and then translate that through to engineering. Mm-hmm. What, are, what are the big asks that you're seeing, just an aggregate level that you're seeing from customers when it comes to Dynamics 365 sales? Because of all the apps that we have in Dynamics on the customer engagement side, this is the one that's been here the longest, right? So so uh, at 18, 19 years, I think now we've currently <laughs> been in market. I only know that figure because that's how long I've been working with it. So, uh, so, so tell me, what are you hearing from customers? Yeah. So you, are you asking about sales in its entirety or? <laughs> yeah. And, and even in the area that, as in, because I, I do want to touch on Viva because I know that you're working in that mm-hmm. and that's becoming a big deal, Viva sales. But yeah, mm-hmm. what, are, what are you hearing in those customer meetings that you're having about what they're wanting or what they're wanting the tool to do or, or you know, that would be more impactful to their businesses. Yeah, I mean, we, we continuously hear a push for, it's kind of a weird push and pull. It's around having more flexibility within the tool and then also having a simpler experience, which seems kind of like, okay, how can you want both things? But I think you think about it from perspective of like managers and sales leadership want to be able to get some sort of accuracy reporting or, or just reporting in general on what you know their objectives are and what the sellers are doing. Sellers want to just get in and out and they want to work with their, their customers, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So it's a weird, a difficult balance to strike sometimes, but I think yep. that's that leads into some of the things, the, the other initiatives like Viva Sales, where we're saying, maybe we can deliver, deliver an experience to sellers where they're at rather than having them to jump into the CRM if they don't have to. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so that's cool. That's cool. And that's, that's leading, I assume you're thinking in development. Tell me about a bit about Viva sales. What's been mm-hmm. your observation of its acceptance in market? I think it's, it's, you know, you talk about simplicity and I feel that that's, that's really what you're doing with Viva sales, but what are mm-hmm. you hearing? Yeah, I mean, I'm fairly new to the Viva sales team, but it's a really exciting initiative. I know that Microsoft is getting behind it very, very well. And there's a lot of opportunity there. There's a lot of opportunity to see how we can provide value to the sellers where they're at. I think we're developing this on the team that I'm working on. We're working specifically on the Outlook side panel and mm-hmm. also the Teams, Teams side panel. So between Teams and Outlook and maybe even the M365 suite, how can we, you know, derive some insight or some new knowledge for sellers that'll make them more productive in the space they're at. Because we, uh, you know, absolutely want it to be something that is seller centric and not something that feels like this is just CRM, you know, another, you know, cluttered CRM box, Mm -hmm, but in mm -hmm. my outlook. So there's a huge focus on that. And how do we create a simple experience that's driving value for sellers that doesn't feel like they need to go through a thousand clicks to, you know, to keep track of their customers. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Back, you know, in the original days with with Dynamics CRM is that it really, their Outlook experience, I think, was really what made the product phenomenal. Sometimes it was hard to Mm. use the old com, you know, add-in and things like that. So I, you know, where do most people, what application they have the most open on their desktop? You know, I don't know what the mm-hmm. difference is now between Microsoft Teams and Outlook, but traditionally it's mm-hmm. always been Outlook. That's the application mm-hmm. you have open that you're working with. So I, I think it's uh, a smart, a smart direction that the the product team's going. 
Before I let you go, is there anything else you'd like to add? Any resources where if people want to go deeper into understanding what you're doing with AI, what you're doing in forecasting and predictive scoring, any recommendations there? Yeah, I mean, keep an eye out on our release plans. You'll see some really cool features coming out. I think we're teasing a lot of new things. Viva Sales is going to be launching into GA in October, coming very soon. So I think, yeah, keep an eye out on that. You'll see some really interesting things. AJ, thanks very much for coming on the show. Perfect. Thank you so much, Mark. Hey, thanks for listening. I'm your host, business application MVP, Mark Smith, otherwise known as the NZ365 guy. If there's a guest you'd like to see on the show from Microsoft, please message me on LinkedIn. If you want to be a supporter of the show, please check out buymeacoffee.com forward slash NZ365 guy. How will you create on the Power Platform today. Ciao.